I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popture podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch or get two extra exclusive podcasts a month, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopture. So you know how um, you know you know how the whole like um, oh he's been diagnosed with ligma. What's ligma? Ligma balls thing. Or uh, the, uh, yeah, I'm well aware of it. The the sagma thing or the the Secondes River and stuff <laughs> like that. The the D's nuts um, the stitch stigma. up. Yeah, the stigma stigma naranja. Stigma yeah, okay. dick in your butt. <laughs> so I th- I thought of another one. Okay. It, it, it's, it requires no interaction from you. It's it's a one-sided one. Okay. Um, Just like this podcast, am I right? Yeah. So, okay, next time you have to pee, announce to the room, I got to go pee. Pee-ness. Pee-ness dick. <laughs> it's like she's saying pee in this dick. <laughs> that's why it's called a penis, I'm convinced. Anyway, that that's... That's how I'm uh, easing potential new listeners into our show. Nice. We don't Uh, always talk about... You did a good job. Welcome, new listeners that Mm. um, heard about AJ's penis joke (laughs) and decided to check out the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is going to get posted to Reddit and the headline will be like, New Zealand podcast opens with funniest penis joke I've ever heard. So, we, uh, what is this podcast other than uh, penis jokes? I mean, what is uh, life other than a series of penis jokes? <laughs> That's a, such a good question, Richard. Um, this is the Cole Popshire podcast, and you are joining us for film franchise fortnights, where every fortnight we watch and discuss a sometimes randomly selected, sometimes purposefully selected, sometimes selected by other people film franchise. Forgot what the like, um, what the noun I was getting to was, you know, <laughs> when, when you start that far back. Um, and yeah, so so we watch and discuss film franchises on the show. We've been going for over three years, and today, Richard, uh, what you 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 tell them. You, I know how much you love telling Thank them. Thank you. What, uh, so what today, the title of the episode is uh, we are uh, <laughs> what we've watched, and now we're now going to discuss. Uh, the four films in the Grumpy Gus franchise. I think you mean the Furious Frank franchise. <laughs> uh, no, I actually mean uh, Mad Max. Ah, oh, I watched all of Furious Frank. <laughs> <laughs> you watched all of Filthy Frank's videos? Yeah, I thought the Filthy Frank was our franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Mad Max. It's, uh, it's an Australian franchise um, from Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, every film was directed by George Miller, except uh, one's got a little, you know, um, caveat. A caveat to that. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, this consists of uh, Mad Max in 1979, Mad Max 2, aka The Road Warrior, aka Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, 
that mm-hmm. came out in 1982, and then we had Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome in 1985, and uh, then we have Mad Max Fury Road in mm. 2015. So, um, yes, spans a long time, this franchise. And this is our second franchise that we've covered on the show to be solely directed by George Miller and time to bust out the best George Miller fact. He also directed Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2. Yeah. That's the best George Miller fact. And Babe Pig in the City, but not Babe. He did <laughs> not direct Babe, just Babe Pig in the City. Yeah. So um, we'll have a lot of... Um, there'll be a few George Miller facts in this. In this. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. My favorite category of fact. <laughs> uh, so I always, whenever I'm at my pub quiz, I always put double on um, <laughs> George, George Miller facts. <laughs> uh, all right. So, what is Mad Max 1979 about? All right. So, the first Mad Max film stars um, a, a very young and um, very Australian Mel Gibson in his. Was it his breakout role? Was this even his breakout role? Or was it uh, yeah, he was actually still in like drama school. There you Apparently, go. Apparently, he got paid ten thousand dollars to it. Wow. Um. Uh. And it's a. It's set in what, um, like the synopsis on the back of the DVD tells you is a post-apocalypse, but nothing in the film really indicates that. It just kind of seems like it's set in. Well, I, the, I, the I wouldn't outback. say post-apocalyptic. Uh, it's dystopian more than post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, the film. Uh. The opening sort of crawl at the start of the not crawl but the opening sort of titles uh explain that it's a few years from now yes uh and max rotocal max rokotansky rokotansky is a um a cop and in in like the this desert area in australia um and Oh, this is such a com- complicated movie to try and describe it's basically there's a there's a evil gang of like ruffians who cause heaps of havoc uh led by uh one um ruffian named toe cutter and max um max struggles to police this this area and to look after you know to serve and protect um when he knows that sooner or later he will become just as bad as these crazy criminals uh and in the end, uh, his wife and child are killed by them, and he does, in fact, go a little mad. Because, Richard, we all go a little mad sometimes. Mm. That's from this movie. <laughs> um, so, what did you think what of What movie film? is that from? Um, Psycho. Yes, it is. Um, just moved away from the mic. Uh, you moved oh. away from the mic to breathe in. <laughs> Yeah, well, just to say um, so it's like, Ch- you know. Chocolate rain flashbacks, dude. <laughs> uh, Tay Zunday famously turned down appearing on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I think we could have convinced him, but his, his, his like, timidness made me think he, he probably wouldn't be the wouldn't create the best content for yeah our this podcast. is actually this is not a joke we reached out to Tezande to ask if he wanted to be on the podcast and he just said oh i'm not really like a movie guy so yeah and we're not good. we're not especially Tezande fans he just had his dms open on twitter <laughs> <laughs> that was the only reason why <laughs> no he was following us on twitter for some reason that's weird i forgot that Tezande follows us on twitter <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway so 
Yeah, what did you think of it? The first Mad Max. The first Mad Max. Mad Max. So this is one of those films that people um, constantly, when they talk about it, it's more like they refer to its legacy than its than as a movie itself, right? Because Mad Max was like huge for Australian film. It's like it's you know in in the ranks of like Al Mariachi and um, I don't know bad taste for for movies that are are like these now now well-known directors or even just like like indie films that that were made against the odds turned yeah. out really well on very very little budget. Mm. I feel like people always talk about that, you know, when they're talking about Yeah, the it's first it's Mad Max. like the first kind of movie that put Australia on the map as a place where films can be made. <laughs> Yeah, and to to put that into perspective, New Zealand's version of that was Goodbye Pork Pie. Uh, so <laughs> very different uh, styles and, and genres and qualities of movies. Um, I won't tell you which one I like more. But in terms Ooh. of the looking at Mad Max 1 in, in the like grand scheme of all four of them, and I had seen all four of them once each before. Um, Interesting. I, I don't, I'm not crazy about Mad Max 1. Interesting. I think I think it has some interesting ideas, but I think ultimately it's very strange and hard to follow in some parts. Um, and I think that everything you think of when you think of Mad Max is introduced in the sequels. It's not really the first yeah, one. Yeah, 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 sure. That's what it's famous for. Yeah, the movies kind of slowly get more dystopian and post-apocalyptic with each film. It, it feels is like a, it's a cool he, like it's the deterioration of society because this one it's oh, like yeah. this could just be in the outback you know the, and that's probably the coolest thing about mad max one is that the place in which it's the time in which this gradual apocalypse is is like it's less like government has fallen down and it's more like government is is about to fall down and it's yeah. struggling and to- um it's actually kind of for budgetary reasons so th- there's lots oh, of sure, great yeah behind the scenes um stories for this because obviously when you get to something like fury road you've got a huge budget you can do make you know go out to the middle of nowhere and then like and do all this but um they just couldn't afford to like pay extras and stuff Mm. like that or like or um make the buildings look too derelict or anything like that um so they kind of just derelict my balls (laughs) Thank you. All right. Um, like they kind of just had to make do with what they had, and like and like George Miller's car features in the film. Uh, a lot of <laughs> um, the extras were apparently just paid with beer, and um, I think yeah, Mel Gibson got paid like ten thousand dollars for it. So it was like super, super shoestring budget. George Miller partially financed it um, with the money mm-hmm. he made uh, working as a doctor. Oh, wow. Because um, awesome. he's he's a medical doctor. He was working in an emergency room, and he kind of got the idea for the film, apparently, by um, uh, seeing all these motorcycle injuries that people would come in with. The most the, the strangest thing about Mad Max, the first Mad Max, and something that it feels strange to, to know exists in the same universe as something like Mad Max Fury Road, is in one of the shots... Um, in Mad Max 1 there's very clearly like a BP in the background like the petrol station and it's so strange to just see like this you know logo for a company that's still around and what they're really trying to make you feel like is the end of the world yeah yeah (laughs) It's, it's very odd but yeah I'd say that um the craziest thing about Mad Max as a franchise and I'll say this at the first one because Maybe it can be something we, you know, weave in throughout as as the running theme of of this episode. <laughs> is that 
they feel less like sequels and more like George Miller gradually being able to make a little bit more of the movie he always wanted to make yeah. with each sequel. I, f- you I know? fully feel that, yeah. It's it's because the first one is like, it's not really quite post-apocalyptic. Then the second one is like, well, it is post-apocalyptic, but I'm not really getting a sense of the world. And then the third one, the budget skyrockets and you've got these worlds and these cultures. And then the fourth one, it's everything the third one had, but now it looks amazing and mm. you know it looks way better. And there's even more, there's even more world building and more culture and more stunts and post-apocalyptica kind of like worked into it. So that's, that's what Mad Max is. It's not a series of chronological yeah. films. It's the same film made better, arguably, each time, four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I'm glad you brought up as well. Uh, the, so you've seen the movies each once before this. I I watched them in exactly the same circumstance before Fury Road came out. We were like, "Oh, we got to go see Fury Road." But oh, we got to seen... do a podcast about this. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we hadn't we hadn't seen the other. My three Patreons had voted, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um, and so we watched them all over the over a week or so leading up to Fury Road, um, and Mad Max one is one of those movies that you watch it for the first time and you're like, this is what Mad Max is about. <laughs> and then it's the sequels, as I said, that that kind of introduce the things you associate with it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um I hadn't seen the first any of the first three, but I'd seen I've seen Fury Road like maybe half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Um including like as recently as like a month ago I watched it. <laughs> but um yeah, so I I've got a couple of tattoos. Mm-hmm. And when I was getting my first one, which is a little stonecutter's um, symbol on my on my hip, not to be confused with the toe cutter. Mm. Uh, but while I was at the tattoo parlor, so because uh, I got me and my sister got matching tattoos, and um, so I had to like wait for our appointment, and then wait for uh, my sister to get her one done, and then while I was getting mine done, um, and. On a little screen next to the like table that you lie on, the, the little bed thing, um, they had a TV that had a DVD of Mad Max in it, and it played the um, opening, like like the the title screen over and over <laughs> again. And so it's like a um, like a maybe a minute long loop of some of the the highlights of the film, and that shot of um, one of the bikers getting run over and it cuts to this close-up of this guy that can pop his eyes out yeah um <laughs> very strange part of the movie yeah and if you know if you've seen the film you know what i'm talking about but this guy like uh, it's, it's essentially it's, like it's supposed to be like a real life ogre but the way yeah. they do it is they zoom into a known character's face before he gets hit by a truck and then quickly cut to someone with their eyes. It happens a couple times in the movie, actually. Um, yeah. Their eyes bulging out of their socket like they're so surprised. They're, yeah. Because yeah. there are people that can actually like do that, like ex- like bulge their eyes out mm. of their, the sockets. It's a, it's a choice. It's a creative yeah, it's, choice. It's, it's a different choice. <laughs> but um, that was one distinctive part of it. And so this minute-long loop, I saw maybe on repeat for close to two hours oh dude everyone has a dvd menu on repeat story eh? (laughs) yeah that's 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 a that's a universal experience that is ripe for stand-up somebody needs to do a stand-up joke about watching a dvd menu on repeat (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny i yeah so then i borrowed from a friend i think he he lent me the first one because i was like oh i kind of 
kind of keen to watch this. Then I borrowed it for like two months and just never watched it. <laughs> uh, and that was my experience with Mad Max. Nice. My, I have a, I have a also have an experience with the eye bulge scene. It's not quite as maybe I'll cut this out if it's not as interesting as because your one was interesting. I feel like my one's not interesting. Oh, thank you very much. I remember when I was a teenager, someone talking about eyes bulging out of their sockets, and someone being like, "Oh, that happens to toe cutter and Mad Max." And I was like, "What do you What do you mean?" And then another one of my friends was like, "Oh, yeah, it's this weird, like, subliminal message kind of flash of these eyes bulging out." And and as soon as he said subliminal message, I was like, "I have to see this." I have to, because <laughs> I, as if you had listened to our spooky urban legends podcast from Halloween, you'll know that I fucking loved that shit as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we move on to Mad Max, so just interestingly, this. Um, uh held the record for the most profitable film ever made at the time wow nice do you like it uh yeah yeah i like it's one of those things where i watching it again like i had the similar kind of like oh this is this is mad max but i i guess because i'd seen that highlight reel for so many times i did probably have quite a you know reasonable expectation of what it was about right um the one minute loop gave you a <laughs> yeah yeah so i was like oh yeah i kind of got the aesthetic of it and everything like that and so uh yeah i, I think i liked it but in the same like you said the same way like something like al mariachi where you're seeing a director with a lot more to tell and mm. just like i love that low budget filmmaking where you, you know working out those kind of things and there's actually a great um interview uh robert rodriguez who directed al mariachi um has a tv series called the director's chair where mm-hmm. he interviews other directors and so there's like great episodes with um john carpenter and quentin tarantino but uh, i watched the george miller one and it's really interesting like him telling all these stories about uh you know like because a lot of the bikers in the film were like actually bikers and they all got given this letter that was essentially to explain to cops like i'm in a movie i need all these weapons <laughs> like um and so that's kind of referenced in the film as being as the like get out jail free card that's like oh, a, yeah. an inside joke um and yeah yeah they, they talk about uh Mavex, and, and there's a weird thing they talk about as well how um the film was dubbed in america when it was first released mm-hmm. um because they thought people wouldn't understand the Australian accents. So they dubbed it with American accents and um, they play both versions of like, it's one of the toe cutters first scenes um, where he's like, Oh, they call him the night rider. And it's this real, like it's such a, it's such a great like performance. And then you see the American version. It's like, they call him the night rider. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it's just not at all. Um, yeah yeah so that's really interesting and it, it's weird how they're like oh you know people won't go see an australian movie if they sound australian but it's like <laughs> that's why you go see it and it adds to the kind of otherworldly nature of it yeah exactly um i <laughs> i would say that if you are into fi- the story of film you know and if you're into mm. seeing low budget beginner projects of of people who would become greats uh watch this film but if mm. you aren't that kind of person, 
I would say skip this one. I watched it with a couple of friends who had only seen Fury Road and they did not join me for the other two because <laughs> this one was just so... There's a part where where Max and his wife go on holiday and they go to just this, this camp out and it's like, this is just a normal movie. This isn't <laughs> set in the end of the world. This is, there's nothing. It's, they're just on holiday. You see him swing on a rope swing and jump into a river. And it's like it's so. It feels so slow in parts. Um, yeah. And but I think one of the most fascinating things about this movie is like, where else can you remember Mel Gibson not having an American accent? Yeah, yeah. What is his story? It feels like we're watching a different Mel Gibson because my image of Mel Gibson is just he's American. He's got an American accent in interviews. He just is American. So did he, did he, you know, go to LA and or wherever and then just lose his accent and then Probably. never got it back? It's so odd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe. Mm. Uh, so, Mad Max 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, aka the road warrior so yeah some places sometimes you'll see it just called the road warrior mm-hmm. like a um first blood kind of situation yeah and uh, then sometimes it's uh mad max 2 the road warrior or just mad max the road warrior mm-hmm. uh, but officially i think it's just mad max 2 okay um so yeah there was a lot of pressure for them to make a sequel mm-hmm. um and he started working on other films in fact he actually got an offer to direct first blood but um uh, essentially you're right they he thought fuck it like we can do what we did on the first one but we can probably do it better now mm. yeah no i like this film um oh what did mad max one have on rotten tomatoes you didn't tell me oh yeah uh 90 percent. 90 percent. so this one will be like 95 right it is 95 yeah this one i feel like this is this is a dorm room poster movie, you know, like this is the one that really mm. left left its mark on the world. Um, so this one, it is, you know, it is technically a sequel because it, it's his wife and kid are dead and he's kind of like rattled by that. But we are like we're deep into the apocalypse now where there's no, um, where there's no, you know, the only societies left are crumbling um, attempts at, you know, tribes on in, in the middle of the desert and there's villains and stuff. And it essentially, revolves around max um max agrees to help like this it's almost seven samurai ish yeah it is yeah it's seven samurai he agrees to help a village who are being tormented by uh, a bunch of evil bikers by helping them take a a truck full of gasoline which is what they call gasoline um you know away from where they are to where they could where they want to be living uh and it's very simple but very cool and i think that the I, I really love how much this movie is like a proto Fury Road. Like Thunderdome is isn't as much like Fury Road as Road Warrior is. You know, like mm. th- th- uh, Road Warrior has like proto versions of the people on the pole vaults on cars and people stuck to the fronts of cars and and stuff like that. It's it's mm. all very it's very cool to see how it, how the stuff would extrapolate and evolve and mutate over decades in George Miller's mind to be his, you know, the masterpiece that is Fury Road um, later down the track. Yeah, which we'll get to. We don't want to spoil our feelings for Fury Road. Mm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it is funny. It's very um, Kurosawa. And I think um, his uh, George Miller cited Kurosawa 
as a massive influence but yeah it, it is very much like um the man with no name trilogy but like out back instead of yeah, out yeah west totally. um yeah because it's like the which one is it the the first one and the man with the man with no name trilogy uh, fistful of dollars it's mm-hmm. it's quite similar to that as well yeah what do you think of like the character of max because he's, he's an interesting hero mm-hmm. don't you think like yeah. he's because sometimes he's this, you know, in in the third one, he ends up becoming this like messiah, mm-hmm. and then sometimes he's like a drifter who's like doing it for himself, and yeah. then sometimes he's just kind of there, you know. And then, um, like the he gets called out in this film for his self pity, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like he's got an interesting kind of arc over all four films really yeah i'd say the character the the like you know what you can expect from seeing max as a character is that he he wants to be a lone wolf but he's got this heart of gold and always ends up doing the right thing which i think is great because that's that's a great little that's how we would all like to think of ourselves i think you know mm. and so he's he's like a he wants to, to the world to swallow him up in this new post apocalyptic society to to grizzle him down and and make him like numb but he's too good he's too good of a person to be able to give up his humanity and i think that's really special yeah cuz you know what like when we're in a in a post apocalyptic time all we have is our humanity all we have is our humanity exactly richard exactly yeah so because this this one's the one that was you know very clearly the favorite one until fury road may have taken that title away from it we'll find out when we get to it Mm -hmm. yeah like i guess let's talk about man max 3 as well and then we can kind of talk about why maybe that what 3 doesn't quite live up to 2 okay so yeah, what is Mad Max Three about? So Mad Max Beyond the Thunder, no Beyond Thunderdome. I thought it was yeah. Beyond the Thunderdome until a Facebook comment on our Facebook page this week. It was like it's Beyond Thunderdome, and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Somebody call Mandela. Um, the, <laughs> the it is. You can't, he died in prison uh, in the nineties. The nineties, yeah. Um, Beyond Thunderdome is like he winds up discovering a little underground town called Barter Town, which is run by Tina Turner, um, and she's got ha- having like a turf war with the guy who runs the the um, what are they? They like fuel the power of Barter Town or something like that. And he's mm. a, a little person um, on strapped to the back of a, a very large, you know, oaf kind of character. And they're called Master Blaster because um, he's master yeah. <laughs> and the other guy's blaster. Um, and so Tina Turner's character, whose name is Auntie something, Auntie. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a it's a entity, auntie entity or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, she she gets Max to agree to challenge Master Blaster to a battle in the Thunderdome, which is where they, you know, their court where they decide. Mm. And and like Thunderdome is one of those things that's now more famous know, than the movie itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the idea of it's it's just a common term for that kind of thing. Yeah, like a battle uh, arena. Yeah, and so he 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 agrees because because he's going to get his vehicle back, which was stolen, um, and he agrees and uh, goes to fight Mar- oh Blaster, just Blaster in the Thunderdome, and he's kind of losing, and then he's kind of winning, and just as he gets the upper hand, he discovers that uh, Blaster is Down syndrome and refuses to to kill him because you know obviously that's 
it's up that's part of his set of morals uh and <laughs> because that like disrupts the the law of thunderdome which is two man into one man comes out uh he gets banished um and he gets banished into the middle of the desert where he's picked up by a tribe of lost children who are who are uh the descendants of a crashed airplane it's very complicated but this movie isn't the just descendants about of the plane the half plane <laughs> yeah the, the the plane made love with the sand and now these sand planes are like everywhere <laughs> um and they basically say hey we want to go to the better you know the the there's a better place out there for us and we want to find it and max reluctantly agrees to help them but they end up having to go back to barter town to get supplies is that what they're doing and then mm-hmm. it's them like running away from the bad guys with to try and escape to the to the better town and they succeed but max um sacrifices his chance to go to delay the bad guys after which the bad guys are like See you around and leave him alone. And then he walks off into the <laughs> desert by himself. Yep. Off to further adventures. Yeah, this one feels more like a video game almost than a than a Yeah, movie. yeah, there's a lot of like back and forth yeah, and yeah. side quest type stuff. Um B, so this is the one that we mentioned that I mentioned at the start. There's a caveat to being directed by George Miller. Oh. Um it's uh directed by George Miller and um George Ogilvies. Hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um. But because uh, Byron Kennedy, who was like George Miller's partner or uh, like you know creative partner, and he produced the first two, um, he died in a helicopter crash oh, in no. 1983, and so um, George, uh, Miller got his friend to uh sort of just help lighten the load so that he could kind of mm. he was still grieving. Nice, interesting. Um, what did you think of this one? Uh, like it's. It's cool. Like the, uh, the, it has some of the like kind of, uh, like silliness or like camp, um, elements a little bit. Like mm. with um, like Tina Turner's character and stuff like, that. and the fact that Tina Turner's in the film. Um, yeah, it's the most it's the most dated of the Mad Maxes because of how Hollywood it is. You know, mm. it's got yeah, it. Yeah. Not only does it have Tina Turner, but it has a Tina Turner tie-in song that yeah. that plays, and it's like, okay, this is kind of making it feel like this movie is, you know, stuck completely in in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this has eighty-five on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that correct? Um, eighty. Eighty. So this this for a long time was considered the the lesser of the well the the worst of the three. I I prefer it to the first one. It's just just easily more entertaining than the first one yeah sure and and just like the production value going up and things oh, like it's that is awesome like... barter town looks incredible mm. and like and the thunderdome everything the, the way that's all done yeah yeah and the the fashion sense of the of the post-apocalypse society right is like you get a hint in the first one that everyone's very into like you know fluorescent face paint and feathers and kind of kind of almost like a a metrosexual kind of look <laughs> right and that that increases in the second one but in this one it's that like it's the best it's been yet right because like everyone is so extreme in what they're wearing and 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 um i love there's a character who's like one of the henchmen of auntie entity and she's like he's he's like a slightly shorter guy but he's got like a pole stuck to his back with a mannequin head on top of the pole and it's like that is so cool and i love how much that says about <laughs> the traditions and rituals and and you know like the 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 type of you just i guess the the fashion and culture of of this new society i think is really awesome um 
and so that that's that's really cool and i i like a lot of where this movie goes but it does feel kind of aimless in parts um mm. but it's still it's it's still great i would say that uh the most confusing thing about this is that there's a character in mad max 2 who's played who he's a gyrocopter so like a tiny a little makeshift helicopter pilot and in mad mm. max 2 he's credited as like gyrocopter pilot like that's the character's name and then in mad max 3 the actor returns to play a different character named jebediah who's also a helicopter pilot and it's like <laughs> what the fuck like at the, at the very least make him have like be like unrecognizable to the character the character he played in the like second they one. do in fury road yeah which yeah they do do that in fury road um but no he's like he's such a similar character in every way but you can tell with how he interacts with max that he's clearly never met him before and they're not supposed <laughs> to be the same character and it's so uh, what did they not have anyone any other actor who could fly a helicopter yeah, <laughs> yeah it is weird like the, the films kind of do feel like almost like anthology films in some ways eh? oh they are so different from each other because yeah. it's tempting you know and we, we we delve into this every every time there's a there's a franchise that is kind of um yeah, that kind of highlights this that in in a big broad sense the purpose of our podcast is to kind of figure out how a franchise can be built right and how it works and Part of me is tempted to be like, well, Mad Max is a is a franchise which kind of get better as they go along, uh, but th- mm. you can't learn. The only thing you can learn of how to replicate Mad Max's like success in its sequels is to make your sequels so incomparably different to each other that and essentially the same thing but with slightly different twists. Yeah, it's funny because <laughs> you say they're like incomparable, but at the same time, we were just talking before about how they mm, that's a good you point. know it's essentially the same film over and over again but trying to yeah yeah but with more money yeah 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 well maybe that's a better way of putting it then is that it's it's there's nothing you can learn from how to make a good sequel from the mad max series mm-hmm. <laughs> so so your ranking of the first three would go two three one yeah 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 uh i pr- i'd probably be the same i think mm-hmm. um but yeah what do you think yeah, well, what do you think uh, nudges two in over three? I think it's just the whole like it's the simpler idea. Mm. It's 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 the type of film that Mad Max is that Mad Max two is is the quintessential version of that type of film. This is the post apocalyptic lone wolf movie that mm. all post apocalyptic lone wolf movies are copying. You know, yeah. Whereas, um, and and I like the. I mean, I mean, this this isn't a, a knock to Beyond Thunderdome necessarily, but like the the Mad Max franchise as a whole has this amazing approach to world building. Oh, it's the best world building in in fiction, as far yeah. as I know. Like it's and so good. um yeah, I think that Road Warrior, other than Fury Road, Road Warrior, um, kind of does it the best. Where, where like I, I and there's a lot more to take beyond thunderdome probably gives you the most to take in mm-hmm. yeah in like how they, of, the, so it can be a bit overwhelming the society of lost children have like their own version of english that's like slightly grammatically incorrect but th- i love that though right because it's like this is how after 30 years of being in a desert that language would change you know like they, mm. they talk about the the oh, i'm gonna have to find you keep talking i'll find a quote from yeah and how they um yeah, like one of them's pregnant. Yeah, 
and it's like you know they just they just worked it out <laughs> it's funny like if you like do you reckon you'd work out sex um i think it is intrinsically human to work out sex yeah it's really it's interesting like i mean i've grown up in a society understanding what it is and still haven't worked it out but you know <laughs> other people probably probably will it'd be such an interesting like it's one of those unethical experiments that like <laughs> which know, we just, love just raising <laughs> huh? which one of those unethical experiences which we love <laughs> um uh, th- th- those experiments were like um you know to just like raise a group of children like you know obviously some kind of overseer but like just sort of let them figure it out on their own like lord of the flies style and just see what like what they would work out and like the language they would develop and from scratch and everything like that because maybe like you should do that like put a group of like a hundred babies yeah let them all raise themselves together and when they develop a language the entire world should should use that as the universal language because that's the one that humans created from scratch my friend you just created mad max 5 (laughs) um here's here's a quote this this is a full monologue i'll read a bit of it um that just gives you a a if you've never seen beyond thunderdome this is what the lost children talk like um so this is from savannah nix who's like the the leader of the pack she says this you know the years travel fast and time after time i done the tell but this ain't one body's tell it's the tell of us all and you've got to listen to and remember because what you hears today you got to tell the newborn tomorrow eyes looking behind us now into history back i see those of us who got the luck and started the hall for home and i members how it led us here and how we was heartful because we seen what there once was <laughs> That's so well written. You know what I mean? That's what language yeah. will sound like in in two hundred years. <laughs> I love I love the history back. <laughs> go us go now into history back. <laughs> if you were to like guess um filmmakers that would s- cite specifically Beyond Thunderdome as an influence, what um what filmmakers come to mind? I wanna say uh Taika Waititi, right? Was mm-hmm. Thunderdome an influence for Ragnarok? I feel like I've heard that somewhere, or at least it's, it's it seems like it would be having seen Thunderdome yeah. and Ragnarok. Um, no, um, our good friend Chris White's <laughs> what? Yeah, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Chris White's, uh, we've interviewed on this podcast. Uh, he directed About a Boy, American Pie. He wrote Rogue One, a Star Wars story, or an, or an early version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he. Yeah, he he's cited this as an influence. There was some um, event a few years ago that was like, meet Chris White's. He's going to be doing a panel. And then, and also uh, doing signings of his book because he, mm-hmm. he, he wrote a book, um, uh, like a young adult fiction. And uh, then afterwards, it was like, and stay for a screening of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> and I was like, why this film? Well, this is, this, so this is what, this is written by Chris White's um, about the film. Yeah. Um, George Miller and George Ogilvie's Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome serves as the high watermark and possibly the shark jumping platform of the remarkably inventive Australian road warrior cycle. I saw it as a teen and was intrigued by the sketches of an end times economy and anthropology and confused by the ascendancy of the noticeably American Tina Turner in the Australian wasteland. Not the least in terms of inspiration for my book was the little tribe of semi-feral kids who speak their own Argo and keep their own counsel while still retaining an essential innocence and hope. For all its mayhem and bloodshed, the Road Warrior movies are full of touches of humanity and humour, elements that further influence the young world, that's his book. 
and its production design, the flashes of swag in a guard's feathery mohawk headgear, the cowhide cowling of a jerry-rigged vehicle, the uh, geodesic gladiatorial arena of the film's title is tremendously compelling. The last element influenced one of the subcultures of Burning Man, which in turn is a big source of inspiration for my own post-apocalyptic kids. God, he's so fucking eloquent, man. That's such a well-written recommendation for a, for a film like Beyond Thunderdome. And yeah, I mean, what he's talking about is world building. And I mm. feel like Mad Max is, not to steal his his words directly, is the high watermark of world building, at least in yeah, film. Yeah, and I, I also think it's the shark jumping platform. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Um, yeah, so the, the, yeah, the, the world building is so intense in, in Beyond Thunderdome. Um, and I feel like yeah, it's it's more intense and in beyond the Thun- in Thun- beyond Thunderdome than it is in the Road Warrior. But that's kind of why the Road Warrior is a better film, is because mm. it's it's almost less concerned with world building and more about like the cool stunts and shit that it can get away with. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Now, not to race through the podcast, but boy, do I want to talk about Mad Max Fury Road. Let's do it, man, because. We're at the end of the decade, and this movie is showing up at number one on loads of best best movie of the decades lists, right? Like, yeah. I, I read an article. Did you see the article by AV Club that was posted today? That's uh, like I saw an article, yeah. Yeah, it's like wh- wh- how Mad Max Fury Road became the best movie of the decade. And it's yeah, cause, so- cause that, that's because they had an internal, like, ballot. Yeah. And, um... Uh, the master was number two, which uh, they did like a midway through the decade. Mm. What's the best so far? The master won that, and then a month later, Fury Road came out. Yeah, a month later, Fury Road came out, and you know, and it's not just AV Club. Like they listed a bunch of other other places that are all putting Fury Road as number one. And I'd love to um, maybe before we go into what it's about and like what it's rated, I'd love to discuss briefly, Richard, why it's weird that Mad Max Fury Road would almost be like unanimously agreed upon as like a movie like Mad Max Fury Road would be agreed upon as the best movie of the decade. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have, do you have any thoughts or shall I just rattle off things that I've thought of? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Especially if you go, if, and at December 31st, 2009, you were like, the best film of the next decade is going to be Mad Max Fury Road. Like, who the fuck would believe you? No, the, 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 best, film, the best film of the next decade will be Mad Max 4. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, it is a, it's a sequel to a long, dormant intellectual property. It's like, you know, where's the, mm. the skin of a mindless action film? Um, in my defense, I think the title Fury Road was out in 2009. So Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like, critics don't like sequels. They don't like, uh, you know, mindless action films. And yet this film, it's got so much beneath its surface. And in a weird way, the stuff it has beneath its surface are like social commentaries on things that hadn't happened yet. Like there's a lot of Trumpian kind of stuff in Morton Joe, the film's villain. Um, it is essentially a movie about the Me Too movement and women liberating themselves from the the bondages of, of mm. being like kept by predatory men and, yeah. before the Me Too movement, you know? Like yeah. it, it is insane how relevant this movie Like it's was. crazy that a filmmaker thought that women were people before the me too movement 
<laughs> yeah, no, absolutely right. Um, but you know, like it's it's so ahead of its time, and yet somehow that didn't mean it was overlooked at the time. And I remember when this movie came out, feeling that this had been, this was the biggest movie since The Dark Knight, which is what I'd probably say is the best movie of the two thousands. Interesting. Um, and so I I just I I re I watched this movie about two hours ago, so I'm, I'm fresh. Um, <laughs> And this this article just did such a this, such a great job of saying it on the AV Club, just how it's like it is insane that this movie was as good as it as it was, but also insane that this movie got made. That like mm. you know that somehow George Miller was able to make like a seemingly completely uncompromised vision to a property that he had no proof anybody still cared about and then was able to put such um you know loud messages in the film about about what he's trying to say yeah and like like 30 years after yeah. the last film. so crazy man yeah. it, and it 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 it's a little sad because it almost feels like we're not going to get a movie that is as unexpectedly amazing as this for a long time yeah for sure you know? I, um i so what do you think of it? I don't really like it. No. Yeah. Uh, no. I, I love this movie. It's so fucking good. And if you haven't seen it, don't think you won't enjoy it. There's actually something in there for everyone. Yeah, that, that's um, the thing. Eh? They're, they're like, I showed this film to my sister. I've showed this film to my dad. And they're both they like- They both loved it. And that's that's the entirety of demographics. No, but, but it is like, um, both of them afterwards were like- um, it's not really my kind of movie, but it was real good. Like, yeah. Yeah. even even if because it's so meticulously and perfectly crafted, mm-hmm. you you still have to appreciate it on some level. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, what is it about? Uh, so it is uh, Mel Gibson stepped down and now a uh, Tom Hardy with a, a dubious at best Australian accent um, enters the the series as now Mad Max or Max Rocket 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 Tobolsky. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was taking a sip of water, so I couldn't create Rocketansky. Rocketansky. Um, so. It's what the most interesting thing about Mad Max Fury Road is that it's not really a movie about Mad Max. He's a, he's kind of like a side sideline player to a story about a uh, Charlie Theron's Imperator Furiosa who uh, lives as like a a truck driver in the post apocalyptic society run by a Morton Joe who is this old decrepit creep of a man with a a mask over his face because his the bottom of his face is like ripped off and he's covered in sores and blisters. Yeah, he's um, um played by Hugh Keysburn who also played the uh toe cutter in the first film. Yeah. And uh he keeps uh like supermodel woman in his um in his like, like literal supermodels it's like yeah, posing, no, yeah, exactly. hunting to Whitley. Yeah, yeah. Um is it it's Zoe Kravitz, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember she was in the film, probably because I didn't know who Zoe Kravitz was when this movie came out. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he rules over the society and, like, c- refers to the woman that he keeps hostage as his property and they're his breeders um, and the kind of minions that do his bidding are called war boys who are all very skinny uh, dudes, you know, shaved head, covered in white body paint. Um, and he's kind of give it, fed them this lie of a religion. This It's all fucking world building. It's so fucking... <laughs> 
fucking good. He's given them this this idea that um to die is is glory, you know, and before well, to die you, in yeah. yeah, to die in battle is glory, which is very Greek, you know. And before, whenever you see various ones of them die, they like pull out a spray can and spray their mouth with chrome um, uh, spray paint and say, witness me, before, you know, dying in a blaze of glory um, so that people can witness their glory, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And 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 so the story kind of kicks off when Furiosa um, uh, smuggles the woman that... Im- Immortan Joe is holding hostage out of the city in a, or the citadel it technically is in one of these trucks and they soon catch on and chase after her and Mad Max is kind of pulled in for the ride after in a completely separate storyline at the start the war boys catch him and the main war boy whose name is Nux played by Nicholas Holt in a like career best performance he's so (laughs) fucking good in this movie Um, he like refers to him as his blood bag and straps an eye V to him and Max and then straps Max to the front of his car so that he can, can, can keep getting blood which is such a cool fucking idea and what I love I just this sounds like a, like bad storytelling but I love how little Max has to do for so much of the film <laughs> he's just dragged along doesn't want to be there doesn't want to help which is good storytelling because it actually informs his character when he does escape the clutches of Nux and then helps um you know at first tries to steal their truck but then eventually helps these um emancipated women uh find their freedom and escape the the bad guys mm. but um yeah fa- famously the movie is essentially uh it's a journey to the green place and then when they find out that it's not what they expected, uh, they just make a big U-turn. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the entire U-turn. movie is a U-turn. <laughs> but the, I, I, that's that is good. That is that is thematically what should happen, though, because it's about mm. not running away and instead seizing the means of production. Essentially, right? <laughs> it's like seizing power back from those who the, those who um, subjugated. Yeah, you, right. So, um, a little bit about the production of this film, just because it's interesting. So, this was. Um, uh, it's been in production for a long, 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 long time. Uh, it was supposed to shoot in 2001, but was delayed because of 9-11. Wow. Um, wow. And so um, George Miller just like had to, apparently the, he only had a small window of time that he could make the first Happy Feet in. So he had to like abandon this for a bit and do that. Um, I have to make Happy Feet. Which if you remember on our Happy Feet episode, the way he came up with Happy Feet was someone was like, well, what about Mad Max but set in the snow? And instead of the obvious way to take that idea, which would be to make a dystopian Mad Max movie set in the snow, he was like, yes, yes, and it's about penguins and they <laughs> dance. <laughs> um, and then so he made the decision not to bring back Mel Gibson um, because uh, A... Mel Gibson wasn't exactly hot property in the early to mid two thousands, and also he didn't want the character of Max to be like an older kind of grizzled hero. Like he wanted to, him to always be this like contemporary uh, hero, essentially. Yeah. Um, so at one point Heath Ledger was considered, but then he passed away. Obviously, he but- would have been so good. Yeah, because oh he's Australian God. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. And then at one point as well, it was reported that um, he was going to be making a 3D animated R-rated movie, which was going to essentially um, use the plot of the unmade fourth Mad Max film. Yeah, that just sounds like, um, we can't get the budget. Sorry, we're going to animate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, you know, eventually it came about and they it somehow got made. Um, the cinematographer came out of retirement to shoot it. 
oh fuck and it looks so good as well oh my god it's gorgeous <laughs> so this this is like a movie that um it, it's made by a bunch of just old men they're yeah. all like in their seventies. Like the fact and it's that it's so is... fucking woke. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's being made by people who you would think would be the least woke of all. Well, I mean ho- Hollywood, maybe not, but in general, yeah. But yeah, it's it's like George Miller was like in, in his mid to late seventies making this, and it's how like, old is he now? I got, you, you keep going. I'll look it up. Um, oh, I've got it like right here. He is no. currently he's born in nineteen forty. He's seventy four now. I'll say he was seventy ish when he made okay. it. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> what do we have to say about it? Um, it? It did very well. It's got 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, mm. which was, uh, I think it was tied for the most um, with The Revenant at which the Academy is, Awards. Remember when, when it even came out that it was even nominated? Remember yeah. how wild that was? This isn't the type of movie you would typically think would be nominated yeah, for Best exactly. Picture. But So it was nominated for Best Picture and Director, but it... Um, and cinematography, I believe, as well. But it won six Academy Awards. Um, editing, production design, costume design, makeup and hairstyling, and both sound mixing um, and sound editing. It should win all of those, but then also it should also win Best Picture and Best Director. <laughs> and Best Cinematography. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, like, this film, man, it's... It, it is weird to... It's weird to have a movie come out that almost immediately is put into the zeitgeist as being one of the all-time greats. It, like, in a specific genre, like, the the type of movie it is, it's the best one of all time. And mm. um, just as a movie, it's one of the best ones of, you know, in the last 10 years. Um, Probably last 20 years. Yeah. You know? Like, this Fuck is, it, this sure. Is, <laughs> fu- 30 years! <laughs> <laughs> I, I described it because we had a chat about this film on our Discord, and I'll, and I'll do a little plug <laughs> for our Discord now. Yes, please join the Cold Popshire Discord, where you can have um, conversations so embarrassing that we'll read them aloud on the podcast. Yeah, um, so... <laughs> Because because we kind of we talked about like oh we're covering Mad Max and we're and we're quite excited to talk about it. There'll be a link to the Discord in the show notes, by the way, in case you don't know how to find it. Because the, the yeah, there'll be a the, the URL is like complicated. Yeah, because I've I have no idea how to join Discords. I just like <laughs> I got invited yeah, to the hour. <laughs> but anyway, it's great fun, and uh, we chat about the podcast. And then there's also like oh, we can talk off topic, and yes, we have like spoiler chats for when there's a big release as well. Yeah. Um. So. Um. Uh. Well, one of our uh, some one was someone on our Discord. Um. I'll I'll keep them anonymous just in case they don't want to uh, be identified. So, but I mean, if you're fine with it, Mac, let us know and we'll put your name in. Mad Mac. <laughs> so, um, we were talking about Fury Road. A lot of people were like, "Yeah, it's it's it's, it's amazing." And then uh, he was like, "I was so confused by Fury Road," and we were like, oh, "Okay, go on." And so he said it had literally no character development in it. The action effect, the action and effects were really cool, but that doesn't make a good movie. Uh, yeah, that's not necessarily an incorrect uh, diagnosis of a film <laughs> in general. <laughs> okay, so the, he then went on to say, so I'll just I'll just say the whole thing, and then we can um break it down so he said maybe i think low of it because i didn't really like it i was confused the entire time like was the movie a reboot if so then who was the little girl at the start and if it isn't it is really max mad max four or five or whatever then why did everyone call it a reboot and why isn't max the main character in a movie that has his name in the title and now here we go this is this is my favorite the, one of the worst takes i've ever heard 
of a film. I hope, I hope our fans, what the few precious fans we have, appreciate being roasted. <laughs> <laughs> um, because at, like, at the end of this, I said, dude, I think you need to watch the film again. Um, <laughs> so he says, I felt bad for a Morton Joe as well. He said the bad guy. Um, he built the entire civilization after the apocalypse. Sure. He kidnapped some people, but he had running water in a desert and was willing to share it. And then everyone wanted him dead. So at the start of the film, um, Immortan Joe controls the Citadel um, and we we see he lives like reasonably lavishly compared to the people down below. And he turns the water on. It's it's an event that everyone gathers for. He turns the water on. There's a little bit of a waterfall and people like running after it, picking up muddy water off the ground. And he turns it off and says, "Do do not get addicted to water. Um, you know, like, yeah. like that's the kind of thing that good people say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then at the end as well, um, the when now Furiosa has control of the Citadel, she releases the water, and then he went on to say, and and I said, like, you know, he rapes and kidnaps women <laughs> and forces them to breed. And he's like, well, I don't think that that happened. And I'm like, that like he has breeders. <laughs> who escape his clutches and very clearly there's several points where like this is, comes up it's one of the major themes of the film and he was like oh yeah no nah, he is a bad guy and then um he goes yeah, on to that's say such an understatement he's like one of the great villains of of, of modern cinema like he's <laughs> so good he is despicable <laughs> then at the end and uh, then he goes on to say because I, I, I pointed out that him he's not shearing the water. He's kind of like flexing how much water he has that he's willing to throw it away to the people that are so far below him. And he mm. says, yeah, but at the end, they just dump all the water onto the poor people. That's kind of dumb. Like, sure, they have more water now. And I was like, what? like, they're not giving all the water. <laughs> like, they've got some kind of a well. And then he says, well, if they had a well, then why are they going to the bad guy for the water? And it's, well, like, because they they just they anyway. So join our Discord where um <laughs> you can you can have conversations that are not private. <laughs> uh, but then he, he he goes on to be confused as to say, well, like once they've dumped all the water on the poor people, then what? They've just wasted all their water, and I, the implication is that they have a now a supply of water, and now they're willing to share it with uh, yeah. the people. But yeah, that was um that uh, was very good. Good laugh. And then uh, I ended with um, it, the conversation ended with, I, I think you really need to watch the movie again uh, before you <laughs> continue commenting on it. Um, yeah. But one interesting point that he, he kind of brought up is about the, the whole reboot thing. What, what do you consider yes. the chronology of this film? Mm. It's hard because part of me wants to crown this movie, you know, as the best distant sequel the best legacy sequel whatever you want to call it um or at least put it up there with uh blade runner 2049 and um american reunion as the best <laughs> the band creed i haven't seen creed but you vouch for creed yeah um as as the best uh you know sequel sequels to long dormant ips but it really does directly not contradict but rewrite stuff we've seen because it's it's like um he mentioned that um 
Max is haunted by like the ghost of this little girl throughout the whole movie who who is she's not his kid from the first film because his kid was a baby boy um <laughs> and it's not his certainly not his wife because it's a child uh, and so it's you're left kind of like assuming that there is because this movie's very much made so that you don't have to see the previous For three sure. films and so it tells you just enough to know that Max has a you know demons in his past and that he at one at one point let someone die who he deeply cared about and i guess at a stretch you could say that this happened in between thunderdome and fury road like this is a separate um person who was important to him who died uh but yeah it is it does kind of feel more and just because the recasting of the character as well it does kind of feel more like a soft reboot than a sequel however you could say that about every mad max sequel Mm. so maybe this is the perfect sequel (laughs) because it honors the tradition of essentially Mm. being a soft reboot the whole time (laughs) yeah and um and i've got no qualms with max not being the main character essentially oh no not at all it's as i said before it's it kind of actually plays into it better because it, it builds into his story arc and also he said that um there's no character development like nux literally goes from a religious zealot suicide bomber to someone who saves the day in the end he he when (laughs) when the the, everyone's escaping he stays in the truck and crashes it to block the path um for for the bad guys who are behind them and before he does it he looks at the woman who he's kind of had a thing with since the middle of the film and he says witness me and it's like fuck man remember when we did the episode on what's the best line of dialogue Mm. did we talk about mad max fury road at all i can't remember if we did because a lot of like there's a couple of basically all of nux's lines or all of the war boys kind of catchphrases are great lines there's um what a lovely day is is a great it's more the delivery than the line itself is Mm. great because he's like what a lovely day as he drives into a storm and then there's things like um what is it we'll carry you into valhalla shiny and chrome and um the like just mediocre yeah 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 these are great but witness me being like what they yell before they die and then just the context of how nux uses it before he dies that it's no longer about the glory or getting to go to valhalla but it's about like look at like see what how much i love you and see what i'm doing for you it's fucking beautiful man i got chills watching (laughs) it this time it's so well delivered and it's such a it's such a like a it's such an essential piece of of what makes this movie great is that final witness me yeah it's like um because one one thing i will say about this film is like it's so perfectly crafted on every level that even if you think oh the story's a bit weak or whatever but i I wouldn't say it's weak it's just simple it's nothing special yeah um but it's like actually no it is no the, the 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 linear narrative is is pretty simple but like all the stuff like the themes of, of feminism and, and you know, overthrowing corrupt shit is like, that's the story. That's part of the story. Yeah. And that's all great. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, so something like uh, Chinatown is considered mm-hmm. the greatest script of all time, right? Yeah. Um, and then I think this is, this is to almost every aspect of filmmaking other than writing what Chinatown is to writing. Agreed agreed actually agreed yeah like it's 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 one of the it's it's 
fucking beautiful to look at and that's not just the cinematography a lot of that's the grade as well oh it's, um, it gl- this movie pops yeah you know this movie looks like a frog you should stay away from in the in the jungle because it's brightly colored <laughs> <laughs> and it's also like um just the 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 direction i mean all of this kind of like falls under directing like how the amount of praise we're giving it but one thing i love about this as well is the the editing of it it's such a, i think there's there's like a video essay or, or something I, I read about it but um watch this movie and especially in the action sequences something really interesting that it does is because it's such a kinetic movie like the, the entire yeah. this massive massive periods of time where so much is going on but you're never lost you're never trying to figure out what you're looking at and the film does this really cool thing where it it guides your eyeline perfectly but from shot to shot so even though there's there might be like you know 30 40 cuts in you know in under a minute um you it, 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 it like perfectly so like the focal point of one shot will be in the bottom left corner and then they'll move to the bottom right corner and then it'll cut and then something darts from the bottom right corner to the top left and so like mm. you're constantly following between the cuts so there's never a time when the film cuts and you have to take a second to to take it all on to know what to look at. Um, yeah. But like, like every single frame of this film could be put on a wall as a piece of art. Yeah, yeah, man. It's like Godzilla, King of the Monsters, but actually not a fucking stupid movie. And people need to stop saying it's good because it's not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. No, I agree. And and as if if we can. Um, return to the to the topic of world building um which i also think this is the the chinatown of world building right <laughs> um the there is but i so i saw this movie i'd seen this movie once before watching it for the podcast again shockingly despite how much i love it um and it was at, at the movies at the pictures um in 2015 and between uh then and now other than like you know what the plot is about and and kind of like the general what it, what it, you you picture when you think of the movie the main shot i remembered um and i know you know what i'm gonna say mm-hmm. is when they're driving through the swamp and at night there's like they drive through a swamp area at night and it's this wide shot of the truck driving in the distance but in the foreground are silhouettes of humans walking on all fours but they've got stilts so they're like stilts stilt walking on all fours through the swamp and that's the best that is the single best example of world building i've ever seen <laughs> in my life you know what i mean because yeah. it tells you that um this is a swamp where there is a human faction in the swamp and they have learnt to live here by walking on stilts and if that's possible what else is possible you know how else are people living in this this apocalyptic Australia? You know, you know the the mind boggles at the possibilities of what else there could be if this. And it's it's so creepy, it's so spooky, but it makes you without a single line of dialogue, you understand like an inferred history of the world and this culture specifically um and i, I that's that's the instagram shot that because we take photos for our instagram at cult pop on instagram of every movie we watch and that's the one i took of mad max fury road as the people on stilts watching the truck it's so good man yeah it, 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 uh, just it, everything about this film man <laughs> yeah it, it is it is a weird film to be crowned as king of the decade but it like 
but that's kind of why. Right? Yeah. Like, against all odds. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know what? It's kind of appropriate that as we come to the end of the decade, Richard, um, we watch the best of the decade film in our, in our film franchise mm. podcast. Um, I mean, it's not the last one. We've still got two left, which are definitely not <laughs> the best of the decade. <laughs> but but um, yeah, there you go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, oh, right. Hey, oh. Richard, <laughs> before we move on to the segments that we usually do to close out the show, why wouldn't it be cool, friend... Um, to look at what our our fans and listeners and commenters what they consider to be the best scenes in Mad Max because we posted a photo and said hey what's your favourite uh, scene in the Mad Max franchise to Facebook and Instagram and a couple of people replied um, exclusively talking about Fury Road but that's fine so <laughs> over on Facebook Ryan Walker says, love that movie. I like when the music kicks in during the motorbike and uh, chase scene through the canyon. Any scene with cool cool things happening and a kick-ass soundtrack. The final chase is great too. And when Max is jumping between vehicles and you get to see the creative pole casts and anchor cars. Yeah, man, that final car chase fight scene thing. And like the part where, where, because there's people on like pole vaults on their cars that are like swinging back and forth to attack. And like Max ends up on one, and there's that one shot where he's like stuck on it as it's like doing its arch from one side of the screen to the other, and you just see him like sort of gaze out very briefly at the (laughs) at the the chaos unfolding. It's very Um, yeah, that's a funny thing as well because that was one that was done practically like these people Mm. with like counterweights, and that was I might have talked about in the in the um, Happy Feet episode, but that while he was working on Happy Feet two. Uh, people like went out into the middle of the desert and like tested these things practically and like sent him little cell phone footage of it to just and so you know he's in the middle of post production mm. on um, Happy Feet Two and just getting mm. like oh yeah that's right I'm doing Fury Road after this <laughs> yeah no totally and and you know wasn't that one of the reasons why it took so long for the movie to come out as well yeah it's like all Some these like yeah. Mm. Uh, Adam says the fight between Furiosa and Max when he stops the war rig to get some water, which is great when <laughs> when they're like before they're friends, right? And and she doesn't know if she can trust him. It's this awesome little kinetic fight scene where she's like trying to shoot him, but he's connected to a car door and holds that up as a shield. Yeah, it's that's very fun. Because it's interesting as well that we didn't mention it, but like um, uh, Tom Hardy and um, Charlize Theron like hated each other on this film. Oh, really? Yeah, and oh, like like quite famously, and they I think they both sort of hated the experience of working on it um and tom hardy's like since said essentially like because this film was kind of almost written without a script it was mostly written with storyboards and mm-hmm. you you have no idea if this film's going to be good yeah and so yeah, and i true. think i think you know just you're following around this 70 year old madman who has <laughs> this you know this vision but it's it's so hard to get that when you're there and you're in the mm. middle of the desert, you would have just been like, oh, fuck's sake. But then you watch the film, you're like, holy shit. 
<laughs> um, Dante also just says, witness me, which we've talked about ad nauseum, but yes, is one of the best scenes. Um, over on Instagram, CarlL52 says, the car chase in Fury Road, to be more specific, probably the fight between Furiosa, Max, and Nux, which is what um, Adam said as well. Visceral and desperate, with great use of their surroundings, and shot in a clear way so that audiences can follow the action easily. This movie is so fucking good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reliving it with people's descriptions of these scenes. This is so great. Um, and Mad Max fan page, who I'm going to guess probably isn't a fan of Cole Popshire and found the post some other way, um, <laughs> said, It's difficult to choose because there is a lot of good scenes, but I think it's the scene where we discover the Doof Warrior and the, Immort- and the Immortan Joe's army. Uh, I think the Doof Warrior is the guy playing guitar yeah, is, on yeah. the... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the most epic scene for me. The music, the customized cars, the shots, and this fucking doof warrior. That it's so the doof warrior is so um, indulgent, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. what can we do to to stop making stuff awesome by accident and just have something that's just straight up like yeah we know you're gonna fucking love this <laughs> yeah yeah a guy with a flaming guitar attached like yeah. bungee cords um, yeah, but I, I love how the scores kind of like diegetic as well for a mm. lot of the, the chase yeah. that you've got actually people like pounding the drums and playing the guitar and the first I think I think the first teaser trailer for this is one of my favourite teaser trailers of all time which is oh, um, blew everyone's fucking socks off it's it's like a I, I, I haven't watched it in a while but I remember it being like classical like like huge classical swelling music that's kind of like with the action cut to the to the beat of it yeah. i can't quite remember it something like that yeah because um, it was yeah. like um there was the comic-con trailer was like the first reveal of it and that was like yeah. when people were like oh we don't want a fucking mad max movie without tom without mel gibson and then this trailer came out and everyone was like holy fucking shit <laughs> i want to hear what the most naive um preview of this movie was by like a respectable source like who doubted this doubted what is now like being unanimously crowned as the greatest movie of the last 10 years mm. <laughs> who, who was like this will never work why are they making it they're just reheating old ideas it's not like anybody's gonna remember this someone said it's not like it's gonna be the best movie of the 2010s or <laughs> i bet you someone said that <laughs> Cool. So those are all the comments we got. Um, and now, Richard, what have we got next? What's next on the agenda? Uh, continue the franchise. So this is a segment where uh, we talk about continuations of the franchise and then uh, we'll uh, bloody pitch our own, shall we? Um, okay. So a couple of interesting things. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road has a, a black and white version of it, which is called the Black and Chrome Edition. Uh, and mm-hmm. apparently uh, George Miller says that's the definitive way to watch the film um so i watched mad max fury road very recently and i said to you last week i was like oh, i might watch like hunt down the black and chrome version and watch that instead just to give me some kind of something fresh um mm-hmm. so i downloaded it and then i sort of scrolled through it to just be like oh what does it look like and then i was like why would anyone watch the film like this and i just watched the normal version um <laughs> <laughs> because it's such like oh, you, you, the colors and everything it's so beautiful but it, it is it is like a cool and interesting experiment and apparently there's like a silent version of it as well but i don't know if, the, if that ever actually got released but he talked about it coming out um there's a 2015 video game which is like an original story mm. set in the world um i've heard mixed things about it but i would still yeah. quite like to play it um I, I, yeah, there's yeah. been many a time when i've almost bought it um 
Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that in, in stores and being like, mm. what the heck is this? Uh, they released some prequel comics for Fury Road. Um, and then in terms of actual film sequels, um, they found during the writing process for Fury Road that they had enough story material for two additional scripts, one of which was called Man Max Furiosa, uh, which mm-hmm. is a completed script apparently. And uh, George Miller hoped to film it after the release of uh, Fury Road. In March 2015, during an interview with Esquire magazine, Tom Hardy revealed he was attached to star in three more Mad Max films starring Fury Road. And um, uh, George Miller announced he also wants to make a follow-up called The Wasteland, Mad Max The Wasteland, which he um, clarified was just a working title. Um, And then there was reports that um, there weren't going to be any more, and then he said he still wants to make more. In July of this year, uh, he said there are two stories, both involving Mad Max and also a Furiosa story. Uh, we're still solving. We've got to play out the Warners thing. I think there's there's issues with the rights um, to this film. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's the same as I think it's the same as John Carpenter with Halloween. Like they they clearly didn't give George Miller enough money for what he did, and so it's like mm. a situation like that, like a yeah. financial. Um, but because yeah, because it was like to make the to make Fury Road, he had to like reacquire the rights to the series. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he said it's it seems to be pretty clear that it's going to happen. So we'll see. Well, he's you're getting a bit, <laughs> you're getting old, George. So yeah. get on it. <laughs> uh, and don't I mean, leave us hanging. Tom Hardy's getting old. Is he? I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah. Time is linear, isn't it? Um. <laughs> Uh, so time is linear. <laughs> linear D's nuts. <laughs> added D's. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you should have said linear nuts, linear balls. Even then, it doesn't. Still make um. Sense. Okay. So, what have you got? Just trying to tie it back in. You, you feel me? Just trying to make the podcast feel, feel like you. one feel co- co- cohesive package. All right. What have you got? Okay. So, um. I've got a simple idea, and that is to continue the legacy of what the Mad Max sequels are. I say don't make Mad Max Furiosa or Mad Max The Wasteland. Just don't fucking make anything for another 15 years. Direct it when he's 100 <laughs> and just make something that's that's hugely different and, like, unexpected and a sign of its times in the same way that, a, that Fury Road was. Um, because... I would honestly feel a little bit, um, it, it almost feels a little bit ill-fated to make a straight-up sequel to Fury Road with, with everything that that um, with you know how how well it was received and kind of its place in history. It feels like you're probably not going to make something if you're going to make something that is a sequel and the most sequely of all Mad Max films. And it's just very similar to uh, Mad Max Fury Road in a way that none of the sequels are similar to each other. I almost feel like you're destined to fail there. Mm. Uh, So I would say wait a while, make something tonally and aesthetically different um, that could be seen as a soft reboot um, just to keep the tradition alive. You know, that seems to be the only good way to make a good Mad Max movie. Actually, that's not true. We just haven't seen the opposite done yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's um, How well do you reckon this film would have done if it was just called Fury Road? I don't know. I was thinking about that while watching it. Like, can you cut the Mad Max mentions out of it at all? And um, It's more like gasoline is a recur- returning element, though. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like it probably wouldn't have done as well if it was Fury Road, if it was just called Fury Road. But it's still like a you know, multi-million dollar film that they would try to sell. So I think it would have still had some kind of staying power. 
Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. That, like, because like, uh, the yeah, the title kind of gets butts and seats and has that recognition. Yeah, mm. but um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Like, if if it was just like a very clearly a Mad Max film, but just called Fury Road. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Mike and the franchise. Well, see, I I thought of I was thinking along similar lines as, as like don't do a direct sequel. I quite like the title Mad Max: The Wasteland or Mad Max mm. Wasteland, but um. Like I was, because I was going off the fact that like societies devolved more in each film, and I was like, mm. "How can you, like, wh- what's the next step beyond Fury Road?" Yeah, and um, I don't know what is the next step beyond Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're giving this to me, um, I would say, well, no, the the hopeful next step would be that society rebuilds. Oh, like right? yeah, go back. So it's like a bell curve. <laughs> so four, yeah, five, yeah, and six yeah. is about the rebuild of society. I mean, why not? Yeah. The, like, in terms of the world, I, I would be interested to see what other countries are up to or what at least other environments are like. But I guess the whole point is that it's all a big dust bowl. Oh, well, yeah, dust or just, bowl just now, um, George Miller make his next film, like another Lorenzo Zoyle or um, Witches of Eastwick, and then cut to a character goes to Australia and it's just Fury Road. <laughs> no other yeah, society has like been affected i mean yeah if you've ever been if you've ever walked through the streets of like um sydney at, at night it's not too dissimilar from <laughs> the, the dystopia we see presented in mad max <laughs> yeah so that, that's my idea is just george miller makes another like drama whatever mm-hmm. and um then a character flies to Australia, and um, we and it, it, during the events of Fury Road, yeah, could it also involve Babe and Happy Feet? Oh, of course, there? yeah, yeah. The George Miller cinematic universe and his cancelled um, Justice League. <laughs> it just wraps an entirely other, complete and full cinematic universe into this. <laughs> yeah, one. so it's my extended awesome. franchise. Nice. Well, um, Richard, I believe one that more brings us to the end of the show. Um, oh. and that is, uh, it's called revealing the, fr- uh, whatever the, the <laughs> franchise that we're doing next is. Yeah. Because so it's this not was voted on, really. on our Patreon. Um, we, we, for $1 a month at www.patreon.com slash you can, uh, suggest and vote on which fran- every second franchise we cover or at least one franchise a month sometimes for scheduling we have to make it so it's two in a row but you get it once a month basically uh, for just a dollar Richard you wouldn't if I took a dollar out of your bank account for the rest of your life you would never notice yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, get on there and and get a, get in, get involved. And this month we were like, we'd like to do something um Christmassy. Uh, we kind of feel like we've covered most Christmas franchises. So as long as there is a single Christmas entry, you know, a single movie in the franchise, a that single is, Christmas mention <laughs> that is a, that is a Christmas special or a Christmas movie or whatever, um, we'll consider it. So we got some cool suggestions, um including um what did we get we got like uh, a christmas story has two sequels that nobody knows about so that, that would have been a cool option someone suggested the muppets because there's a muppets christmas carol but the winning franchise richard tell me what it is it whisper is it into my ear with uh it's a trilogy of mm-hmm. three films mm-hmm. uh the harold and kumar trilogy which of course the final film is a very harold and kumar christmas in 3d uh, and yes, the third so dimension it, it is. is marijuana, as uh, yes. Michael Baston, who suggested this. Um, mm. Yeah, said. 
I'm, I'm hilariously excited riffing off our Jaws 3D yeah. um, discussion. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited for these films. I've seen the first two. Mm. They feel instrumental to my budding teenagehood, and yet almost entirely forgotten at the same time. Yeah, they, they, uh, it'll be good for the um, problematic comedy discussions. Pro- problematic sex comedy uh, series that we have on this show. We haven't done Richard. We haven't done a problematic sex comedy in what feels like ages. Yeah. It's been too long, buddy. I, I can't uh, wait to jump back into the throes of walking on glass as we both genuinely try to be good people, but we'll probably say something wrong that I'll cut out in the edit. <laughs> uh, all too familiar. Um, yeah, so uh, check back in two weeks' time for a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas and also Guantanamo Bay and White Castle. Uh hmm. Latest. And next, next, well, not. <laughs> well, he's gone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, next week we are doing the the 2019 Netflix Christmas movies, which apparently is becoming a tradition that we're gonna do each year. Um, so we'll be reviewing them next week. Um, but beyond that, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, let us know in the comments what your favorite Mad Max film is, or what your favorite scene is, or what you agree or disagree with what we've said. Um, we love hearing from you, and you can do that through. Uh, uh, finding us on, on Facebook and giving Cole Popter a like on Facebook or on YouTube or on Instagram uh, or on uh, Acast or iTunes. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. We'll read them out at some point. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can also find us on Discord now. I've also got a Movember or campaign. Decord. I've also... <laughs> um, uh, and uh, all these fun places where you can communicate with us and tell us what you think of the show and what you think of um, us and how much of... Do you want to be our friend? you know yeah let us know I want to be your friend yeah Mm. alright everybody thank you so much and we'll see you next week or in two weeks if you only listen to Film Franchise Fortnights